I just love how creative God is and the, the way he makes different people with different gifts, different talents. And you guys have some talents and gifts that I want to I do that with you at some point. So this morning, um, we're going to talk about the armor of God. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. But before we get there, there's something I really wanted to do. Vacation Bible School was so fun. And I loved getting to, to, to lead singing every night. And as you guys know, I think our least amount was about 208, then our most was around 250, something like that. But just a lot of kids, three-year-old, if, in, up to, if you're going into sixth grade. And what I want to do this morning, and I sent a reminder text out last night to give you a warning, but three-year-old, or if you're going into sixth grade, if you want to, will you come up on stage and surround me, because I want to lead a couple songs with you, just like we're in Vacation Bible School, and adults can join us as we're singing, but you adults stay there. Parents, if you want to help your kids, come on up here, guys, and a couple teens come up and help like we prepped, like we talked about, and you can be anywhere up here on stage. I'm going to stand right here by these really pretty fake flowers, okay? And so you guys are awesome. So everybody, come on up, and we're going to, hey, how are you? We're going to sing together. This is going to be awesome. You guys were so good. Hey, you guys were so good at Vacation Bible School. Hey there. It's good to see you. And these awesome children that we have at our church, I've been wanting to do this. So you know what? I'm going to face you guys. I plan on staying back there, but okay. I have no self-conscious. Here we go. You guys ready? Is this everybody? We still have some people coming up here that we're going to sing. All right. The first song we're going to do is My God is So Big. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And then we're probably going to do the Fruit of the... Or no, not the Fruit of the Spirit. Like Peace Like a River, that one? Okay. All right, so My God is So Big. We may sing it twice. You guys ready? Here we go. You ready? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, and the valleys are his, and the trees are his handiworks too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. Okay, here we go. Peace like a river. Ah, yeah, I'm going to stand right here. I got to move around a little bit, I, but I brought an extra shirt today in case I sweat a lot. All right, here we go. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul, not my shoe. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul, not my shoe. I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain in my soul, not my shoe. I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain in my soul, not not my shoe. I've got love like the ocean. I've got love like the ocean. I've got love like the ocean in my soul. Not my shoe. I've got love like the ocean. I've got love like the ocean. I've got love like the ocean in my soul. Not my shoe. I've got peace like a river. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got love like the ocean in my soul. Not my shoe. I've got peace like a river. I've got joy like a fountain. I've got love like the ocean in my soul. You guys are doing great. Okay, one more, and don't worry, I, I shortened my sermon, so don't worry. Uh, one more song. Let's do the popcorn song. You guys want to do that? Yeah, okay, all right. The ballerina song? Well, you can do it because you're so cute. All right, here we go. 
I love Jesus better than popcorn, and popcorn is really good. Pop, pop. I love Jesus better than popcorn, and popcorn is really good. Pop, pop, pop. Even when I don't obey him or do the things I should, oh, Jesus loves me better than popcorn, and popcorn is really good. Pop, pop. I love Jesus better than puppies, and puppies are really good. Oh, I love Jesus better than puppies, and puppies are really good. Oh, even when I don't obey him or do the things I should. Oh, Jesus loves me better than puppies, and puppies are really good. Oh, I love Jesus better than Elsa, and Elsa is really good. Let it go. I love Jesus better than Elsa, and Elsa is really good. Let it go. Even when I don't obey him or do the things I should, oh, Jesus loves me better than Elsa, and Elsa is really good. Let it go. Okay, we could go on and on, and we could sing a lot more songs, but there's one more thing I want to do before you guys go back to your seat, okay? You're going to have to teach me the ballerina song after service today, okay? So what we're going to do is this. We're going to put on the armor of God together. And then today, when you guys are riding home or going to eat somewhere or going home to eat, ask your mommy and dad or your grandma and grandpa, say, hey, what does the armor of God mean? Okay, you guys ready? But I want us to put it on together. You got to do, do the motions with me and say it with me together. So the armor of God you can find in Ephesians 6. You ready? All right. Belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Shoes of peace. Shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. And shing, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I say this after me I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to say a prayer for you guys, and then you guys can go back to your seat, and thank you for being so good up here, okay? Let's pray. I know. <laughs> Heaven on earth right there. All right. Let's pray. God, we love you so much, and I thank you for the children in our church, and I love these boys and girls so much, and I know that you love them even bigger than I do, even bigger than their mommy and daddies, and we pray that every boy and girl in here will grow up to love you, Jesus Christ. And may they put on the full armor of God every day and pray to you, God. We love you, Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming up here. And you can go back to your seat. I know you're going to have to tell me about that later. Okay. Do you know where to go? Okay. Right, remember right there in the back? Uh-huh. I mean, I don't like not delivering. I'm going to have to learn the ballerina song. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to lay this down. All right, here we go. The armor of God. Let me read this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And it's not just some little thing we do in vacation Bible school. Putting on the full armor of God is actually something very important for all of us to do. But why? Why do we need to put on 
the full armor of God <clears throat> on a daily basis. Every one of my boys, when they were going in the kindergarten, we'd have this weekend where we talked about the full armor of God and did a lot of fun things and all that kind of good stuff and the scavenger hunt and find this cool sword that's hanging over their bed. But something I need to pick back up after, after preparing for the sermon is for years on the way to school, we would put on the full armor of God together and then say a prayer. But why do we put, why do we put it on? And the next verse is say this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, stand. And, and so you think about the devil's schemes. You think about the reality that we actually are in a spiritual battle. The battle is not against people. We get really frustrated with people, um, but the reality is the struggle there, there, there are some powers in this world. There are some evil forces in this world. There is a lowercase s spirit moving in this world. And, and we cannot give in to fear. I want to say at the very beginning that, remember, he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. But we do need to have an awareness, not become overly impressed with the enemy, but recognize that each day we actually are battling, battling as Christians. And one of the greatest secrets of victorious Christian living is not just a changed life, changed life is awesome, but an exchanged life, an exchanged life, a divine exchange. So because of that divine exchange of who you are as a new creation, when you give your life to Christ, and some of you haven't yet, but you will, when you give your life to Christ, this divine exchange that happened on the cross, we battle, we battle from a place of victory, not for victory. doesn't mean we don't battle, but we battle from a place of victory because of who we are in Christ. And we need to know. We need to know our position and authority in Jesus Christ as a new creation. Because the weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of this world. It talks about it in 2 Corinthians 10. It's not the weapons of this world. And the weapons we fight with have the power to demolish strongholds of the enemy. And that's the truth. That is the truth. And truth will set you free. And truth is something we need to know what is that incomparably great power for us who believe? Because you guys know we, we're, we face some battles. And some of you come this morning, you're battle weary. And, and the battle that you're facing is overwhelming. And it's hard for you to believe that verse that says, he who's in you is greater than he who's in this world with all the things going on. But we need to know the truth of what we have in Christ, our position, our authority. And that's why Paul starts off with, the belt of truth. And this is what a belt looked like back in the day when Paul was, was writing this in, in this letter of Ephesians. And the belt of truth, see, all pieces of God's armor are designed to help us stand against the schemes of the devil. The belt of truth is the first part of the armor listed because without truth, we are lost. I'm going to back up here. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. That's Isaiah 11.5 talking about Jesus. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's only through Jesus that we can come to the Father. Jesus himself proclaims, I am capital T, truth. Therefore, truth is of the utmost importance in the life of a Christian. Without truth, the rest of the armor would be of no use to us because we would not have the Spirit capital S, Spirit of Truth. In referring to the whole armor of God, Paul invokes the image of a soldier ready for battle. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that, like that imagery. 
a soldier ready for battle. So the belt of truth is a crucial piece of defensive armor guarding our inmost being in the battle against the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. Without an understanding of truth, we are left vulnerable to being carried out, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, Ephesians 4, 14. The belt of truth, it protects us and prepares us for the battle that is part of every Christian's life. The belt of truth holds everything in place. Truth is of vital importance. There's absolute truth found in Jesus Christ. So that's what we start off the armor of God with, the belt of truth. And next we have the breastplate of righteousness. A typical armed soldier wore a breastplate made of bronze or interlinking chain mail. And it covered the vital organs, namely the heart. And it was filled with loops or buckles that attached it to a thick belt. If the belt was loosened, the breastplate slipped right off. So when Paul compares the armor of God with military gear, each piece represents a part of God's strength that he extends to us when we become his children. So the breastplate of righteousness refers to the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus Christ on the cross. You look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin so that we might become his righteousness. It's an exchanged life. Instead of ourselves, he offered him so that we might become his righteousness. And see, the breastplate of righteousness has Christ's name stamped on it as though he said, your righteousness isn't sufficient to protect you, so wear mine. (laughs) Putting on the armor of God requires a decision, a decision on our part. To put on the breastplate of righteousness, we must first have the belt of truth firmly in place because without truth, our righteousness will be based upon our own attempts to impress God. As our lives become conformed to the image of Christ, as you become more and more of who you already are in Christ, our choices become more righteous. And these godly choices also protect us from further temptation and deception, because deception is deceiving. Once you know you've been deceived, you're not deceived anymore. All right, here we go. But that's what we're battling. At different times, each one of us falls into deception, and we don't even recognize it. And then the Holy Spirit gives us a revelation and convicts us of what is right. So belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and what's next? You saw us do it with the, with the children. Shoes of peace. Shoes of peace. And they literally had cleats in the bottom of these sandals slash shoes, whatever you want to call them. For all the long travel they would do and also to kind of be able to stand their ground when they engaged in warfare. They were studded nails. It's kind of neat. Shoes of peace. Verse 15 of Ephesians 6 speaks of the preparation of feet for spiritual conflict. So in warfare, as you guys know, sometimes an enemy places dangerous obstacles in the path of the advancing soldiers. The idea of the preparation of the gospel of peace as footwear suggests that we need to advance into the enemy's territory. We need to advance into the enemy's territory, aware that there will be traps with the message of grace so essential to winning souls for Christ. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled 
or afraid. We have a message of peace. This is the gospel of peace. This is the good news, and we carry it with grace. We lead with love, but there's also courage that has to be involved. There's times when we are engaging in warfare that we literally have to be able to stand our ground like these cleats and these shoes of peace. And I wanted to kind of challenge us that we're at a point in time where this public faith we're supposed to have has become more of a private faith. And so again, we're so challenged by the fact that we become afraid to offend or or come across as judging people that this public faith has become way too private. And we need to advance, lead with love. It's the gospel of peace. We have grace all over us because of who we are in Jesus Christ. But again, want to remind us it's still only the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. And we have to share that with anybody we come in contact with. And most importantly, live it out in our lifestyle. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, and the shield of faith. The shield of faith. The Roman shield at the time was called a scutum. And this type of shield could be as large as a door and would cover the warrior entirely. And such a shield was not just defensive, but could also be used to push opponents. When fighting as a group, a phalanx of soldiers could position their shield so as to form an enclosure around themselves, and it was called the testudo, which is the word for tortoise, as you see up there on the screen. And this was especially helpful to protect against arrows launched from the walls of cities that they were attacking. Shields, often made of wood and then covered in hide, when wet, could extinguish flaming arrows. And one of the most advanced weapons of that time was the flaming arrow. It contained a little ball of linen dipped in pitch and ignited. The intention was to ignite the linen under the opposing soldier's breastplate and thereby consume him. So today, I think it's important for us to recognize what are the flaming arrows the enemy tries to consume you with, tries to consume me with. Is it fear? I mean, is it anger? Is it unresolved issues, forgiveness? Because probably all of us have had some verbal arrows shot our way that have landed in our heart. What is, what is it that the enemy tempts you with? What are the flaming arrows that if you don't watch out, if you don't extinguish and really be intentional about it, what are those for you? Faith, faith is the doorway to hope in God is what the Bible says. And because we have faith in God, our suffering doesn't have to to phase us. In fact, we could even persevere under it. The things that Satan attempts to, dis- to use to discourage us can actually become tools in the hands of God. So faith is a protective barrier between us and the schemes of Satan. When we believe God and take him at his word, we remain grounded in truth. And that's when the lies of the enemy can lose their power and then we can become overcomers. In that way, faith is our shield, and we fight the good fight of faith together. We have to do this together. We can't do it alone, and God purposely did not make it that way. You guys know sometimes we have to lean into each other in this battle when we become battle-weary. We have to be there for each other and form, form this, uh, this tortoise shell around us with a shield of faith. So belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace shield of faith, and then the helmet of salvation. When a soldier suited up for battle, the helmet 
was the last piece of armor to go on. It was the final act of readiness and preparation for combat. And because of the power of the cross, our enemy no longer has any hold of us. And it says that in Romans 6 and other places. It's very clear. And the enemy knows that. He has no hold on us. But he also knows that most of God's children don't know that, or at least they do not live as if they know. We must learn to keep our helmets buckled so that the fiery arrows of Satan don't lodge into our thoughts. Okay, and so you have one through four on the back of your bulletin, and there are several actions a believer can take to keep his helmet fastened and functioning, okay? Several actions a believer can take to keep his helmet fastened and functioning. Number one, number one is renew our minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it says in Romans 12. We have to, because our minds our minds are the battlefields. And what do you renew your mind with? Our minds are constantly taking in information on a daily basis. What do you intentionally listen to, watch, read? What do you let consume your thoughts? Most battles are won or lost in the mind. Number two, reject doubts that arise from circumstances. I didn't say you won't have doubts. I, I didn't say you should feel guilty if you have doubts. I think doubts are very normal in this Christian walk but you have to reject doubts that arise from circumstances around us, okay? We're sensory creatures. <laughs> what we cannot fathom with our five senses, a lot of times we tend to disregard. So if we allow them to, circumstances may convince us, and listen to this, circumstances could convince us that God does not really love us or that his word is not true. Circumstances cannot change our position in Christ and who we are in him whether it's being empowered by a spirit, equipped with the armor of God, our position of authority because of Christ living inside of us as his sons and his daughters, co-heirs with Christ, circumstances cannot change that. But the enemy will try and make you think that God doesn't really love you or his word is not true. Number three, actions a believer can take to keep his helmet fashioned and functioning is to keep an eternal perspective. When life crashes in, and around us, which may happen sometimes, we must remember to look up. Our salvation is the most precious gift that we've received. And we cannot keep this gift to ourselves. We're supposed to release heaven on earth. But we have to keep an eternal perspective. And sometimes that is hard to do with what's going on around you. Number four, actions a believer can take, is to remember that victory is already accomplished. He's already won at the cross, at the grave. He's at the right hand of God interceding for you right now. And we battle from a place of victory. But sometimes the enemy comes in so hard at us that we can lose hope and faith in that truth. But, but the reality is Jesus has already won. Jesus has already won. Yet we're still battling. But we battle from a place of victory. And I want to throw in one more is worship. What are the actions a believer can take to keep that helmet of salvation fastened and buckled with the truth is worship. I believe worship is warfare. I don't know about you, but a lot of times me during the week, I listen to worship a lot to keep my mind focused to when the enemy tries to discourage me. And you think about a song like, Whom Shall I Fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands beside. The God of angel armies is always by my side. And on and on. And you know it's hard for me not to sing that song. But whom shall I fear when I consider who I have? 
have the creator of this world, I have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, they're not just my friends. I mean, I am united with them and one in spirit with them. But the enemy's pretty good at trying to make us think that the victory has not already been won. So, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you have to admit, you want to go, shing, okay, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. While all the other pieces of spiritual armor are defensive in nature, the sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon, offensive weapon, and the armor of God. It can be offensive if we don't use it the right way, but it's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. In Jesus' temptations in the desert, the word of God was always his overpowering response to Satan. Think about that. Jesus, who was the word of God, the word of God in the flesh, anything Jesus said became the word of God. How did he respond to temptations from the enemy after, after he had fasted for 40 days? He responded by quoting the word of God, the Holy Spirit-inspired word. And I believe that is a huge example for us today because you guys know the enemy's gonna come at you in different ways, but you have to believe the truth you have to believe what God says is true, even when things don't make sense, which happens sometimes, even when things aren't going your way, even as just wave after wave of disappointment comes from the enemy in your life, it cannot change the position of who you are in Christ, the reality of who he is, and how he looks at you through the blood and the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, who you are in union with. And we have to renew our minds daily of the truth of what God's word says. It's got to become daily bread that we desire, that we get to read, not just because we have to. So the full armor of God, why do we put it on? To take a stand against the enemy and his schemes. Because we're in a battle against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you as a new creation in Christ. It says it's an incomparably great power for those who believe. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And we need to know more and more of what we already have in Christ as we battle daily from a place of victory. So now you don't have to do the motions with me, but we're going to put this on together, okay? Little children are watching. All right, here we go. Do it with me. Ready? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Say this with me. I'm the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Let's say it again. I'm the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Yes, you are. That is who you are. And his spirit lives inside of you. And listen to that truth loudly as you read the word of God and reject the lies and the doubts and the fear that the enemy tries to come at you. I don't know exactly where you are this morning. But we're going to give you an opportunity here in just a little bit to where if you need prayers, maybe you're battle weary, maybe, maybe you're ready to take on Jesus Christ in baptism and be empowered by his spirit, sins washed away, and be equipped with the full armor of God. I don't know where you are, but we're going to have elders in the back, elders in the front, and we ask that you come forward while we stand and while we sing.